Welcome. Today it's the prime directive, loving life. Life. We don't think about life much. I mean, we think about my life and your life and having a life, but we don't think about life. That energy that fills and flows through everything on the planet. It's that intent, that desire to be alive that infuses everything. What is it? Where does it come from? We can't see it. We can see the results of it. We see all the living things around us infused with that life. But we don't see life. Can't touch it, can't taste it. But I think we can feel it. Because life loves life. And when we love life, you feel that joy and exhilaration that comes from that. And I think that's where we touch what life is. You know, water has three forms, solid, gas, and liquid. And I think life has three forms also. This intense, this magic energy that flows through everything. And consciousness, the awareness of that energy. And then love, the appreciation and joy in that gift of being aware. So for me, consciousness, life, and love are synonymous. They're just different aspects of the same thing. How do you think of life? What is life for you? I'm suggesting that being in touch with that vitality, with being in love with life, is something we need so very much right now. This is a skill to develop, a sensitivity to expand. Because I believe that this sense of what's vibrant, what's exciting, what's living, what's thriving, is the path, is going to show us the path to the new world we're creating. So do a meditation on life. Try and be in that feeling of loving, being alive. Become sensitive to when that arises in you, when things that happen to you in your daily life evoke that feeling or shadows of that feeling. Life loves life. Life can absolutely be trusted. It's the only thing I know that can be trusted because it's always seeking life. The ability to live, 
the vibrant ecstasy of being an embodied being engaging with other embodied beings. And having that barometer inside is the path to truth. This slide shows a sheep unhappy and bleeding over the and standing over the a dead lamb and surrounded by crows. This angst, this anguish that we feel as we watch things we love die is very real. So many of us live in that pain, feel that pain, avoid that pain, but always know it's there. It's not happy watching things you love disappear, whether it's polar bears or the yellow and black spiders I used to see in my backyard in the summer, which I haven't seen for decades. We are wounded lovers in this world. And I honor that wound. I honor that pain. But at the same time, it is not a place of power. It leaves us feeling inept and bereft, wanting to hide and avoid rather than engage. So don't turn off that pain. Don't deny that pain, but don't stay in it either. What I'm offering here is a path through that because there is a path through that. Our planet is alive. It is alive. It is scintillating with life everywhere you look. Quadrillions of living things everywhere, in the land, in the sea, in the sky. Quadrillions of living things inside of us, all seeking what they love, all avoiding what causes discomfort, and constantly adapting to each other, to other things that are doing exactly the same thing. Oh my God, how awesome that is. We are part of this pulsing living being we call Earth. Just as the mitochondria are part of this pulsing living being we call you. We are so alive and so vibrant. Not separate, not individually, but together. Together, we're constantly making choices and decisions and constantly pushing what other choices and decisions the others around us have made. That is the vibrancy of life, the vibrancy of the planet, the constant change, the constant experimentation that is always, always going on. That vibrant space is us. And when I talk about life, people want to bring up death. So I'm going to talk about death right now. 
in nature, there is a purpose to death. Death is what feeds the next generation. Every living thing on the planet contributes to that next generation, with the exception of us. Death is integral to life. Only humans bring death without purpose. We kill for joy, we kill for thrill, we kill for power, we kill for experience, pull out of boredom, pull out of anger. None of those complete the cycle of life, which is why we say you shouldn't kill, because you're destroying that continuity. Death is important. It is necessary to this planet. We live on a closed system. There is nothing that comes to Earth except the love of the sun, the light and power of the sun. That is the only thing from the outside that we get. Everything else is made here. So everything has to be used and reused and reused again. We've been able to see historically that life is becoming more and more complex. We, on the other hand, want life to become more simple. So we work to undermine that complexity. We only want a few vegetables. We only want a few animals. We don't care about the rest, but we certainly propagate the few that we like a lot. The mass of humans now outweighs the mass of all other animals on earth. So death is necessary. It has to happen. It provides the fodder for the next generation. It is our gift to the next generation. We withhold that gift. We bury ourselves in vaults. We burn our bodies up. We do any, anything but allow us to go back into the process of life. We give back to all of the living things that are there so that it can be regenerated. So death is key to life. We need to honor and respect death as we need to honor and respect life. So what is the prime directive? The prime directive came from Jeannie Benyus of biomimicry fame. And when she said this, I was really clear that this is the core. But I'm going to put two things together in this particular slide. So the prime directive is all actions create the conditions that support life. Create the conditions. We can't create life. Life does that. That is not something we do but we can create the conditions that support life being here and coming here. That we can do. But we also have to do it while managing the integrity of the whole. So the prime directive is all actions create the conditions that support life while managing the integrity of the whole. That's what every other living thing on the planet does. We are the ones who opted out of that. Our sense of separation, our ability to separate from our kin, 
from the rest of life on the planet was seen as a skill, and that certainly gave us a lot, but it also has become a cross as well. It's creating untenable situations because by separating from life, we are no longer contributing to that diversity. And as I said before, we're actively undermining that diversity. We want things simple so we can understand them. And nature wants things complex because it's an experiment. It's a, it's a, a, a new adventure when things come together. We, we see life as starting out as a single cell in this mash of liquid. But single cells didn't stay single for very long. They became pairs and then they got to be more complex. And this is the process of building life, of making life more complex. The individuals decide that they're better off in community of some kind than by themselves. Our bodies are testament to that. We are 30,000 individual species with quadrillions of them, all living their own life, doing their own thing. But we cannot live without them. They make our life possible. They create the conditions that support our life. And we need to do that in return. So the integrity of the whole, what do, what do we mean by integrity? When I looked it up, I got these words. I got coherence, wholeness, unified, unimpaired, intact, integral, and entirety. When you think of nature, we think of it as being coherent. It is a whole. It feels unified. But when we step out of it, it becomes impaired because we are not playing our part. We are not taking, making good use of our gifts. It's no longer intact when we step away. It is integral. And it creates a whole, all of us together. That's been the beauty of nature because it constantly works to maintain that wholeness, to maintain that integrity. When we stepped away, we ruptured that. And now we have a chance to come back in a wholly different way. We've learned so much from the separation. We need to bring that back into the service of the whole. I think that's our opportunity. And I think that's absolutely exciting. We have no idea what that would look like if we started to partner with Earth and work with her to increase the integrity of the whole of which we are a part. And I don't think you can talk about integrity without also talking about beauty. 
When I looked at beauty, this is what I got. It pleases the senses. It pleases the intellect. And it pleases the moral sense. We know when something's beautiful. If somebody says, oh, come on, you've got to see it. It's so lovely. You have an expectation of what you're going to see. You don't know what, but you know how you're going to respond to that. Because we resonate with that integrity. And I believe that beauty is an expression of integrity. That's why it's beautiful. That's why nature, everything in nature is lovely. Everything has a beauty. Some is stark, some is lush, but there's always a beauty there because it is an integrity of life. We can use our senses, our intellect, and our moral sense to know when things are in integrity. We do that. We feel that knowing deep inside. When you know things are right, you don't need anybody telling you. You don't need anything else. You know that that's right. And that's the place we need to live in and come from. That's, I think, what we're being called to do. Nature is quadrillions of things. We are quadrillions of things. Everything working for its own self. So how are beauty and integrity possible in that incredible, seething, constantly changing mass of intention? And it's only when everything works with its own integrity, its own sense of truth and rightness, in conjunction with others, managing those relationships so that the integrity of the whole is maintained. With our separation, our sense of being different and not connected, not only does it create anguish and fear, but it blinds us because we're not close enough to be able to see and feel those things. The woundedness that I talked about earlier is an expression of that integrity. Because when things die, we die. And that is literally true as well as figuratively true. Our hundreds of thousands, quadrillions of cells in us need all of that in the outside world to exist as well. Because we're connected. We get sick when we're not connected. Any gardener will tell you the joy they get from being in the garden, from putting their hands in the dirt, and from being really engaged with earth. And scientifically, they have proven that that is true. There are bacteria in the soil that increase our mood, that make us healthy. We are so connected. We have to keep and maintain that connection. And that means kind of big life changes, I would suspect, for many of us, because we're not geared to do that in this particular life. So what does creating the conditions mean? What kind of conditions does life create for life? 
think on that. How does life create the conditions for life? And of course, the corollary to that is how do we create the conditions for life? This is something we can all individually do. We all have the power and the agency to do that if we but pay attention. We know internally how it feels, the joy and ecstasy and the strength and the rightness of our actions when we do things like that. And we also know the shrinking feeling, the sad feeling, the uncomfortable feelings that we get when we haven't done what we should have done, what we know we should have done, when we haven't done things that actually create the conditions that support life. So this is our work, I believe, is to learn how to do this. How do we create those conditions? How do you create those conditions in you? How do you become so connected, so joyous? I'm getting this picture in my mind of a lot of the saints that I've known. I've spent a lot of time with Eastern religions, but there are people in Catholicism, there are monks and nuns in monasteries, there are sadhus and gurus. His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, there is a joy in all these people, a joy and a peace because they are connected. They feel and live in that connection. Can you do that in your home with your family? How often are you conscious of creating the conditions for the people that you live with to thrive and flourish? Instead of wanting them to do something, <laughs> the things you know would make them thrive and flourish. But we leave it to them to create the conditions instead of seeing our responsibility in that. What about your city, your state, or your nation? How do you create the conditions that support life there? We're being asked to do that in so many ways. And coming from fear does not do that. It is only coming from love because you have to be a partner with life. Life and love are very intertwined. When we feel that emotion, when we feel that appreciation, and this is the piece about your life. You can see what to appreciate and you can experience the gratitude you have for that. When we're in right relationship with things, there is a, a natural expression of ourself that goes forth. You want to do something for the person or the beloved, whatever that is. How can you give back to life? How can you express to life the gratitude you have for being alive? The way you can do that is through gratitude and appreciation. That's what you give back to life. And when you do that, life loves back. It has to, it can't help itself. And you will begin to see that life thrives all around you in so many different ways. 
there is a reverence that comes when you understand the magnitude of the gift that we've received. These are creating the conditions that support life. How do we manage the integrity of the whole? In you, are you coherent in thought, word, and deed? If you're anything like me, man, it's a mishmash. I get it sometimes, and other times I find I'm doing things I don't really like to do. I don't really want to do. I don't think I should do. And it's learning to manage those spaces. We tolerate them. We've gotten inured to it. Our whole society tells us we should be good. We should do as we're told, that other people know better than we do. All these justifications, we're not trusting our own agency. But it's our agency we need to trust. We need to connect so firmly to life that we are a natural expression of how life loves life. Our beliefs and our actions need to be aligned with life with the amazing experiment that we are and that is happening all around us. When that happens, you will feel such a peace. We are so scared. We are so searching. We're looking for home. We want to go home. We want to be home. We want to feel that settled, comfortable place. But that is being seated in life, being seated in nature. That's what comes when you recognize that all life is kin, when you can feel your connection to that. You do come home. That's what the Coming Home Project is all about, bringing us home to ourselves, to our planet. And we do that when we're in response. This is why we're listening to Gaia's voice, being in response not in control. When you're separate and afraid, of course you want to control. That's how you maintain some semblance of power and agency. But it's misplaced, so misplaced. The responsiveness comes through dance. When we dance with each other, who's in control? It's a fluid movement. Every partner adds to where we go and how it happens. That's life. That's life. When we're in response, it becomes joyous and curious and exciting and interesting and new. When we're in control, it becomes small and little and static. And experience yourself as beautiful because you are. I'm going to offer um, a technique here. I want you to find a mirror and just spend five minutes a day looking at yourself in the mirror and love yourself. You will discover a whole lot in the process, but stick with it because loving yourself is a key piece of the healing that needs to go on to be able to manage all the changes we're going to have to be managing. In your life, have you been supported by your choices in life? 
If not, change your mind. You can do this. We're told we can't. We're told we shouldn't. But we can. Listen and respond. When I talk about listening to Gaia's voice, it's not through our ears that we hear. It's through our heart, through our emotions, through the feelings in our body, where we're connected to life. We feel the lightness, we feel the joy, we feel the exhilaration when we respond appropriately. So let life tell you what needs to happen, where to go. We create the path as we walk. It's not there before we step. We have to trust life, love life enough to make sure that it continues and that we can do our part in that. And you'll know you succeeded when you see the things around you thrive, when people love to be in your company, when your children grow and blossom, when they're grateful and have gratitude for having you in your life. That's the thriving that we're looking for. Experience your life is beautiful. That doesn't mean that bad things don't happen bad things, challenges, difficulties, <laughs> things that can be fearful. I've had my share. I've had my heartbreak. But everything has been a gift. When you're born, you've got this big thing, you know, six to nine pounds going through a very small opening. I mean, that's not an easy journey. It's not an easy thing. It's not blissful. And yet, when you are out of the womb, the release, the joy, the excitement, the curiosity of being in the light is huge. So things that we call difficult and painful look different on the other side. It doesn't mean we don't have those feelings. But when we live in gratitude and we understand how connected we are and how much we are loved in our life, all of those change. They're so much easier to bear. Listening to Gaia's voice. To do that, we need to know enough about how Gaia works to follow her lead. And that's the headspace. And that's part of what the Coming Home Project is, is about. That's part of what I've been talking about tonight, the science, the fact that we are all thousands, hundreds of thousands of individual critters. That's science. But the feeling, the inside listening, is all those things inside of us saying yes at the same time. We experience that. We feel that. That tells us that we're connected. Having faith and trust in that gives us peace. So I want to close with a quote from Andreas Weber from his book, The Biology of Wonder. Life wants to live on, wants more of life, wants to expand, to swell, and to blossom. It wants to propagate itself and rise again in a thousandfold manners. Life wants to be subject in an empathetic way. Empathetic. To feel in your heart 
in your body the joy of life. The prime directive. All life creates all actions and all life create the conditions that support life. That's what we need to learn to do. Thank you for your time.